Chapter Twenty One of the Ghost Girl by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One How It Ended. It was a soft, warm, alluring May morning. The spring sky had just the thinnest of gauzy cloud veils drawn across it to keep the impetuous young sun from making love too ardently to the half-grown foliage that sheathed the trees when i issued my ultimatum when it began madeline was alone in the room with me watching me finish my breakfast but jack dropped in to see how i was before starting downtown and of course gwendolen came along too and they were in time to hear the finish i never summed it up before a jury more eloquently i'm not ill i said there hasn't been anything the matter with me for a week i'm not going to be treated any longer as if i were marked fragile perishable with great care if you people will just go away and let me dress i'll get up and show you a few things and you needn't think it's a joke either i concluded for they were smiling at each other as if my stern decision were not to be taken seriously it happens said madeline that dr armstrong said last night that if you slept well and if this turned out a fine day we could take you up for a ride well said i partly mollified that's all right as far as it goes but it doesn't go half far enough i want to be told what's happened i have lived on intellectual malted milk long enough oh i know everything's all right of course jeffrey's come up and grinned at me every day and you've been bringing me bunches of sweet peas and things with claire's regards so i know that she's all right too but i want to know what happened after crow hit me on the head i want to know whether he got off i want to know whether barton's still in jail i expect he deserves to be but i hope he isn't all the same i want the whole story without any gaps in it and without being patted on the head and told not to worry about that just now you're getting to be a detective said gwendolen impudently as if i hadn't a claim to be called one already how did you know dr armstrong said that we could tell you all that to-day that took all the wind out of my sails in a hurry did he really i exclaimed well then begin oh it's all settled said jack that's jeffrey's job we're all going to the studio at eleven o'clock and he's going to tell his tale you too i exclaimed i didn't think anything could tempt you from the office from church you mean he said this is sunday oh i confess it's a loss but i've made up my mind to it you'll have to hurry though said madeline as if hurry weren't the thing i had been demanding it's after ten o'clock i was a bit wobbly about the knees to be sure and my head had a way of turning giddy the natural result of being flat on my back while the crack in my skull had time to knit together again 
so i hadn't much energy left to bother them with questions while i was being dressed and helped downstairs and bundled into jack's limousine which had all the glass down in honour of the day but there was a sort of determined look about all my family that convinced me that i shouldn't get any answers yet anyway so i admired the park as we drove through and talked politics with jack just as if the word curiosity had never been printed in my dictionary but once i was safely deposited in jeffrey's morris chair with madeline on the arm of it and my best pipe drawing comfortably the whole story came back over me with a rush perhaps it was the studio itself i hadn't been there since the afternoon when richards and i had watched the face the face we had thought to be irene fournier's appear from under its mask of disguising paint on jeffrey's canvas jeffrey never seemed so slow as when one tried to hurry him but at last he turned to me with a grin and asked me where i wanted him to begin the story where begin i cried begin by telling me how it happened that crow didn't get you and miss clare as well as me i hadn't time to give you any warning and if ever i saw a man hunting human game he was that man i can't explain that reasonably myself said jeffrey it was all claire's doing she kept getting whiter and whiter after you had gone away and at last she said she couldn't stand it she'd got to know what had become of you she said she was sure you couldn't be gone as long as that though you hadn't been gone long really so i got up and handed her my revolver that's just for company i said there's absolutely nothing to fear now from anybody all the same her mood had rather got hold of me and i tacked along northwest the direction you'd started in making as little noise as possible i told myself i was doing that in order to have a better chance of hearing you but that wasn't the reason there is a second little ridge on the island beyond the main one and when i climbed that i got a clear view of the branch of the river and of beech hill on the other side and then i glanced down and saw crow he hadn't got very far from his boat then and i could see you lying there in the mud behind him i thought he'd finished you i imagine he thought so too but well luckily a man's feelings don't have time to operate in a situation like that he doesn't do anything but think crow snapped up his revolver and covered me grinning just as claire had described him but it was the last grin he ever wore he was nearly thirty paces away and i figured he had a pretty good chance to miss at that distance so i turned a little away from him leaned back a little and made a slight signal with my hand as if to somebody else who was coming up along behind me and to the right of me his eye wavered at that almost any man's will and i jumped aside and got cover behind a tree come on richards i yelled down to the left and get his boat i'll get him myself then making all the noise i could i came crashing down the hill a little further 
it was an old trick of course and yet there was a certain plausibility about it because he didn't know of any way that i could know that richards was up there unless i really had him with me he hesitated a second and then made a dash for his boat he pushed off and then backed away a few strokes with the skulls then he hesitated again i think the fact that he wasn't fired on may have convinced him that he had been tricked but the next moment there was a shot from over at the right claire fired at when she heard me call out and that decided it he began pulling straight out toward the river but a couple of minutes later richards and the police boat hove in sight around the end of the island i swear i never thought i should be so glad to see the lieutenant crow waved to him as if nothing was the matter and began pulling deliberately enough toward the beech hill landing just as if he meant to get there first and welcome him ashore but he hadn't gone three boat lengths when i heard another motor and saw jack's limousine come tearing down the drive and pull up in the circle just at the head of the bank i shouted to richards get him get crow don't let him go ashore crow stopped rowing at once and waited for the police boat to come alongside i didn't pay attention to anything more just then because as soon as i saw that jack and gwendolen were safe i was down over you trying to find out whether he'd left anything of you or not his voice made amends for the jocularity of his words indeed i could see that was the only way he could speak of a moment like that there was a little silence then he went on with his story richards gave me the details of what happened next crow unshipped his skulls and stood up in the boat when the police boat came alongside just in the act apparently of climbing aboard the other boat and then it looked as if something had tripped him richards doesn't think he meant to do it i can't be sure richards says it was the painter that very same long painter drew yes i said i know anyhow he threw up his arms in an attempt to gain his balance and went overboard capsizing the skiff as he did so of course they expected him to come up and wasted a minute or two for that to happen but he never did come up until they found him with the grappling hooks his pockets were weighted not with regular weights but with all sorts of heavy things there were two revolvers one of them was barton's automatic and a bag of english sovereigns oh and a lot of documents and notebooks and things that he evidently hadn't time to destroy he was ready to make a good getaway if he got the chance we rigged a blanket for you and took you and claire over to beech hill and well that's about all to that part of the story one more question jeffrey said i why didn't crow kill her as soon as he got her down there to beech hill why did he wait i've an idea said jeffrey that we found the reason down at the boathouse someone had been working down there very recently on a dragnet putting the weights on it he didn't mean to make barton's mistake and he wanted everything ready first and then well there was chloral enough in the coffee he left for her to drink and that she happened not to want 
to have put her sound asleep if not to have killed her oh it was complete enough it was the net that finished richards he looked as sick as i felt when he saw it and as soon as he could get to a telephone he sent word to turn barton loose how did richards feel about the whole thing i asked rather sore and aggrieved i supposed over having gone after everybody but the real criminal thank the lord for something cheerful to talk about at last said jeffrey and the rest were all shaken with sudden laughter can you find it asked gwendolen you lose nearly everything you know never this said jeffrey proudly and he took from his pocket what proved to be an editorial clipping from one of the more serious evening papers it is often the editorial began the unpleasant duty of this newspaper to speak in sharp criticism of the police department and consequently it is doubly refreshing to have an opportunity to offer it unqualified praise as well as our hearty congratulation on the possession of so brilliant and efficient an officer as lieutenant richards the solution of the mystery of the beech hill murder would be a credit to the police department in any of the european capitals in in our own annals it is unique with an absence of bluster and noise with admirable reticence with perseverance and logic and occasional flashes of intuition almost uncanny this officer unravelled the tangled ends of that mystery and brought it to a triumphant solution from the fact that the suicide or the accidental drowning of the criminal at the moment of his capture obviates the necessity of a sensational trial and for this the community is to be congratulated it is only fair to attempt to give lieutenant richards some portion of the reclaim that would have been his if the trial had taken place i wanted richards to come around this morning said jeffrey but he told me he was busy in fact he has told me that every time i have asked him since that editorial appeared but judging from his voice over the phone he isn't sore a bit he pulled out his watch claire ought to be here now he said she she still doesn't feel much like hearing the story told over again but she's awfully anxious to see you there was something new in jeffrey's tone something almost shamefaced about his expression the carefree impudence that one associated with him on most occasions had somehow disappeared and yes by jove he was blushing just then we heard a step in the corridor there she is he cried and sprung to the door and flung it open yes there she was if ever it was possible to see the personification of springtime come walking into a room and turn the cool north light of a studio golden we saw it then she didn't look at jeffrey just held out a momentary left hand to him but well she was blushing a little too she came straight over to me holding out both hands i've wanted to see you before she said but they told me it mightn't be good for you to have another look at me until you were quite well i'm sure it would have been 
said i have you shown him the portrait yet the new portrait she asked turning to geoffrey he shook his head i thought i'd give him a glimpse of the original first i didn't want him to be disappointed aunt is coming to see it this afternoon she said miss meredith i exclaimed confidently enough is she she's getting better claire said soberly i think in a few months more we'll have her quite recovered but the subject was a little difficult to talk about well i'm glad to see this miss meredith so fully recovered anyway said i you're not going to call me that she said the others madeline and gwendolen and jack all say i'm to be one of the family <laughs> said geoffrey they're not the only ones who say that as a matter of fact i said it first myself End of chapter 21 End of The Ghost Girl by Henry Kitchell Webster